Welcome to Paddy Talks, brought to you thanks to Seed Golf Balls, who deliver you affordable to a performance, same performance, half the price. Check them out at www.seedgolf.com and try them today. I played the Seed 2 Pro Plus, which is geared for lower spin from the driver, a lower kind of ball flight, more run out, and gives me an extra check and control around the greens. While I might be out of control, the ball certainly isn't. So it's perfect for the Lynx Golf I'm accustomed to playing. Dean over at Seed keeps telling me to get my order in because they are selling like hotcakes. On today's show is the anchorman for Irishmen's Golf, it's Colm Campbell. But first, before we go anywhere, if you can, wherever you're listening to this podcast, leave a review and check out www.pedagolf.com and join the timesheet. Now it's time to roll it there, Colette. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Brawley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Well, Joe Brawley, what did he get at? Welcome to this week's episode of Paddy Talks. We have a man that's been on my hit list with, um, well, since this podcast started as one of the elite amateurs in the country, but also juggling um, life at home and work life as well. Colm Campbell, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Paddy. Glad to be with you. No, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for having me. Um, since we're doing this remotely and the technology I'm using limits us to the length of conversation, we'll get straight into it, okay? Um, yeah, absolutely. So... Warren Point, before we get into where you started, I suppose Warren Point mm-hmm. um, has been on my radar as, I suppose, um, a massive achiever on the team golf front. What is in the water in Warren Point? Yeah, I suppose, well, I've done an interview in the past and the biggest thing I said about, you know, Warren Point's success in team golf has been, you know, from a young, from a young age, we've kind of been thrilled into playing team golf. You know, we were brought up playing Fred Daly, Roland Rafferty, and then if you were good enough, you were you were kind of pushed on to the likes of your Jimmy Bruin teams, your junior cup teams, and you know then obviously if you were able to make that step up and that transition into senior golf, you know then you would have been brought along into senior cup and Barton Shield squads. So it's kind of it's just drilled into into you from a young age, you know, getting into a team environment and getting to learn that kind of winning instinct. Um, that's kind of the biggest thing I could I could say that I learned growing up and playing in, in team environments and um, it's it's definitely stood by me. Do you know, we all we see the leading lights. Warren Point seem to be up there uh, a lot of the time. Um, thankfully, yeah. says you. Um, maybe yeah. not for us. Donnelly Hints, we're working on it. Um, <laughs> so, in, in terms of I suppose the programs across the club, and you don't have to reveal yeah. the secret sauce or anything. But is there any kind of um, across the club initiative that you that you keep kids and teenagers into golf or is it just the Warren Point culture at this stage? I, I think we're just kind of quite fortunate that like you know when I was coming through like as a juvenile golfer number one we had a lot of we had a lot of really good players we should have probably won a Fred Daly in my opinion and number two we had great players to look up to um, you know we had the likes of Paddy Gribben, Jim Carvel, uh, Kenny Stevenson, um, even the likes of my dad, who's a good player, you know, played in senior cup and Barton Shield winning teams. You know, see them guys are around you as well. Um, I mean, you know yourself, Paddy, like when you're playing with good players, it only it only brings you on to another level as well. So they were all 
just key factors into improving and winning winning all iron gold medals and stuff you know oh, absolutely like that was actually something it was my new year's resolution this year and something i've actually kept going um the 5k's haven't stopped either but i've done less of them but um <laughs> the resolution was to play with um better golfers so like um scratch yeah. golfers plus golfers pro golfers so um yeah luckily Niall McGlynn has taken me out a few times this year um and yeah. it just raises your own level like I'm off um, a dodgy six handicap but like mm-hmm. um I'm playing some of my best golf purely because it's just, like in the back of my mind just to bring things up a level you know so yeah definitely definitely um 100% when you play with with somebody at a level higher than you you know it just brings the best out in you and that's that's evident you know in any sport really i think no, it's something that like i would have played football to to some sort of a level b team football but with um 18 players you know and carry and <laughs> stuff like that and and that's what it is you know um i suppose in the clubs maybe golf can take something from it from the gaa world in that um the cross mcglens or the austin stacks um there's only yeah. one real black, true black enamor that's austin stacks is that you know um, you progress the A team players by bringing in some B T competition and, and the B team uh, are better forward as well so uh, because we yeah. all have one one main goal. Um, but before exactly. I get sidelined into into football because that's an entirely different podcast, um, we'll get <laughs> we'll get stuck into Colm Campbell for a little bit. Um, so Colm, what what is your earliest golfing memory? Uh, probably. <laughs> well, my mum and dad would tell a story that when I was four years old, I would have been climbing out of the uh, front window and walking down through a couple of fields onto the, we used to live quite, quite close to the golf course when I was growing up and I would have run, run down a couple of fields and I would have been kind of annoying the, the pro, our assistant pro at the time, Eddie Barr. And, um, but that would have been my earliest memories of, of it. But look, I was brought into the game. You know, my dad, as I said, is a good player. You know, he's played, he played off scratch, played on, you know, winning, Barton Shield and Senior Cup teams and more in point. Um, McGranda played golf. Um, and then obviously uh, Paddy Gribben would be married to my auntie. Um, and him and my dad were best friends as well. So, you know, there was plenty of influencers in in the in the family that got me involved in the game itself. Absolutely. And and um, as we kind of covered already, Warren Point kind of cultivates that that young golfer um, into team golf and so forth. When or yeah. what age were you? Or what, what okay, we'll, we'll try and ask one question at a time. What age were you mm-hmm. and what handicap mm-hmm. were you when I suppose you were on your first Ulster panel and Irish team? Yeah, so my first, first rate, like I kind of played like boys under 15s and stuff, I would have been uh, probably off maybe about three handicap. That stage four handicap, it was about fifteen, um, and I I played Ulster boys with Roy McIlroy. He was on the same squad, um, and you guys like Harry Diamond and Nicky Grant, and you know all them sort of guys. Um, but you know, and then kind of, I kind of stalled if that makes. If you kind of want to say that, like I. Kind of was playing a wee bit of football in between that, and kind of golf was kind of wasn't really playing a lot of golf then for a while. And then I kind of got we won the senior cup in two thousand and eight. So we did we won the senior cup all Ireland finals, and I kind of then started knuckling down and getting more involved in golf again. 
um, and I made the Ulster Senior Provincial Team in 2011 in Ross's Point. So that uh, so that was kind of my first real senior involvement with Ulster. So it was, um, and I probably was playing off about plus one at that stage, plus two. Okay, so, so 2011 plus one or two, you would have been around, I'm trying to calculate against my own age. So you're about what, 21, 22? Yeah, yeah it would have been 22. Yeah, what's that, nine years ago? Yeah, so roughly about 22 when it, when it would have been capped at Ulster senior level. Um, no, a decent progression. Um, football yes. and other sports and maybe some other distractions when you turn 18. Is is perfectly mm, identifiable. <laughs> it's perfectly identifiable um, for for a lot um, of people. Um, yeah, exactly. How would you describe the difference between playing off plus one and being an ulcer panelist versus competing in the amateur majors and playing for Ireland as you did in the next following years after that? Uh, um, you know, I I think confidence and and having that belief that you know, look, I can compete with with the boys that are on the Irish team and stuff and boys that are winning championships. Um, like, I remember when I made the Ulster senior team, I kind of felt a wee bit, wee bit out of my depth. Um, but then it's like anything, the more, you, the more you're in that environment, the more comfortable you get with it. Um, but like, I wouldn't say going from like an Ulster and provincial player to an Irish international is a massive jump, but there's a lot, there's a lot more involved and there's a lot more work needs to be put in to maintain that level and be a lot more consistent, if that makes sense. No, definitely. Can, can I just dig a bit deeper into that? When you say a lot of work, it's not necessarily yeah. hitting balls on the range, though, is it? Is it more end-to-end work in terms of your yeah. physical, mental, social aspects of your life? Yeah, well, like I remember like my first couple of years being involved with with the Ulster team, like I was just kind of, you're running your mill, decent enough golfer, I suppose you could say. And um, But it was only really, it was 2013, I had a real stinker of a year, probably made one or two cuts and didn't make the Ulster team that year. And I remember saying to myself, and Paddy, who was coaching me and still is to this day, he was like, look, if you want to make progress, you've got to change and we've got to, you know, make swing change, it's got to get fitter. Um, you know, at that stage, I was probably carrying a lot of weight and overweight and, you know, just all those things were going against me. And just as you said, like, you know, everything had to change, mentality, um, getting fitter, um, you know, doing, I did a wee bit of psychology work, not a lot, but those things all helped to improve me as a better player moving forward then. No, definitely. And I suppose that was 2013. And then 2014 was kind of a a kicker of the year in terms of it was a kickstart of the yeah. year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, like, as I said, 2013, uh, 2014 winter, I worked really, really hard on, on my game, on my swing, made changes just to get more consistent. And uh, went to West of Ireland and was beating the quarterfinals of the West in the West by Jack Hume, who went on to win it. So I remember looking back at that result and thinking, okay, look, that's a that's a step in the right direction. Um, 
and progress was, you know, starting to, you know, starting to see signs of all the hard work that I put in that winter paying off kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I won with the Warren Point Scratch Cup, obviously won that. So it was like, it was building confidence, you know, everything I was playing and it was kind of, I was building confidence. And then I went to, I went to the East and I'd kind of done well in the East in previous years. Um, yeah. I remember 2012, I three at the last to miss out on a playoff best shot. So I did. Um, and yeah, I went to, the, went to the East feeling, you know, quietly confident because I knew it was playing well and it was a course that, you know, suited my eye. I'd done well there in the past. And uh, yeah, just, just played really good golf um, and got myself into a really good position getting into the last round. I think I had a four-shot lead. And I was playing with Paul Dunn and Gary O'Flaherty. And Dunners was actually defending champion as well. Um, so, yeah, so that, that kind of really got things kicked off, you know, for me. Um, and it was also the year that you played um, first for Ireland and home internationals. And kind of that was kind of your first experience of that. And you, yeah. in, in the years afterwards you've become kind of the, the linchpin in, in home internationals team every year but how would you compare I suppose your mindset and experience of year one versus playing in more recent years uh, again as I said a few minutes ago it's just getting it's getting comfortable in that environment you know I remember my first my first home international was in Southern Down and my forces partner was Chris Selfridge and I have to say, Chris was brilliant for me that week. We roomed together as well, and um, he just he just made he just made me feel really comfortable. And he just said, "Look, just you know, relax and try and enjoy it as much as possible. You know, whatever happens, you know, we'll we'll, we'll find it. We'll move on." And um, you know, he was. The, I would say at that time, he was probably the best person that could have kind of took me under his wing and and uh, coached me along and. We, we had a good week. We won two out of three uh, in our foursons. We've, we've probably handed the... We had a bad loss to England on the final day in the foursons. We we lost uh, two of the last four holes to lose one down, which was a bit of a sore one. But, yeah, look, again, it was just getting getting comfortable in that environment and um, just, just stands by. And knowing that you can... When you play well, you can beat beat those guys. It doesn't matter who they are. When you play well, your game's as good as them and, and you can beat them. In all sport, it's when you mix it with the best and you compete, you can see actually, you know, this is where I'm yeah. at. It's, it's a good benchmark. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, 2015 yeah, yeah. Q School, was, was that a decision kind of basing it off an idea to turn pro or was it just kind of a, another test in the waters exercise outside of the comfort zone for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, like uh, again, like 2015, I, I it was a funny year for me because I left, I left at work to go full time, and I kind of really struggled nice. with it. So I did. Um, I took a year out of my job, and I just probably put too much pressure on myself to perform, and I kind of struggled the first half of the year, and then kind of found a bit of form mid-season to the end of season and I said look I'll go to Q school and, and see see what happens going with no no pressure and, and you know I managed to come through stage one quite quite comfortably and um, 
and then I got to stage two and I started with uh, I shot sixty eight the first round, four under. And uh and I had I made a double bogey as well in that in that four under. And probably a wee bit of inexperience shown through in day two. I was one under playing nine, a par five, and a three putted at about fifteen feet. And I ended up I went on to shoot five over that that round. Um and that really just put me out of contention. But um in terms of your question, if I had got through second stage, I probably would have turned pro because I would have had I would have challenged her status for the you know for the following year, right? And that was probably at that moment in time that would have been too good of an opportunity to turn down. Um, but in hindsight, when I look at it, it was probably the best. This you know it was the best thing that could have happened, um, because I think now I've become, I had become a better player after that by not turning pro. Um, because I then went on 2016 was obviously my best year, um, but yeah, look, it was it was it was a close call between turning pro and staying amateur. So I think if I had to go through that second stage, yeah, I probably would have turned pro. Yeah. So um, 2016, then you progressed and, and excelled and came up another level at a great year. Got married. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so got married. Yeah. <laughs> that always adds a bit of structure to your day. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, played the Irish Open in the K Club. Um, had that experience. Mm-hmm. Have you, given that the European Tour are all around tour tales at the moment, have you a tour mm-hmm. tale from the K Club that year? Ah, oh, that that was that was the best week of my life. That was just unbelievable. So it was from from the first moment we arrived on the Monday, um, to like we myself and Kira actually ended up going back down on the Sunday, and you know, obviously being able to watch Rory win and stuff. Uh, but my tale of the week was I'd be quite friendly with Craig Conley, who is Martin Keimer's caddy. Um, and he ended up arranging that I played nine holes with Martin. Um, I ended up playing with Martin, uh, Matteo Manasero and Renato Paratore. Played nine holes with him. And uh, so that was real. That was, that was an unbelievable experience. And then... The Thursday morning of the first round, me and Martin were actually the CMT time, but obviously opposite tees. And he asked myself and Stevie out for dinner later on that night. Um, so we t- he took us to Shanahan's on the green. Jeez, I only ordered the soup in there. I was in there once. I ordered soup. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the menu scared me. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, it was... Um, but funny, so obviously we, we duly obliged, um, myself and Stevie McCallie, and uh, I remember walking up to this place, and you know me and Stevie are there a wee bit early, early and uh, we walk up and there's the concierge at the door, and he's kind of looking at me and Stevie as if to say, you know, used to, but he's definitely can't afford to eat in here. He's kind of looking us up and down, and um, I remember just turning around saying, oh, we have a reservation for Kamer, and the guy was like, Yes, no problem, guys. Come ahead, you know, straight away. As they say, all right, the, you know, these these two guys can be accepted in here. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, so we we ended up having dinner, and and uh, Matt Fitzpatrick was with us, and, and his um his dad and Martin Kamer and Craig, and then kind of a couple of uh Kamers like physios and a couple other guys, and uh, we were there for about two hours, and uh, it was just it was just. 
it was an unbelievable experience and just sitting back and listening to you know Martin and Matt talk about you know kind of the whole tour travels and stuff like that it was just it was a phenomenal experience and something that'll stay with me for the rest of my life so what's your your opinion on um, the option or is there an option to turn pro uh, given that you're still an elite golfer still playing for Ireland um, still playing after four or thereabouts Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. what's your opinion on it now Look, I, as I said, I was very, very close to turning professional. Um, just, I was kind of at a different stage to what most lads are at. You know, I, as we said, was in the process of getting married at that stage and then you was getting married. So I didn't want to turn pro and not have any kind of challenge to her status or maybe main to her status. You know, I just didn't want to waste any time on, say, the likes of EuroPro or Alps Tour. And it's no disrespect to anybody that's doing it. It's just obviously I was at a different stage in my life. I just didn't feel yeah. that, that I just didn't feel that, that was the, the right move for me. Um but look, if if you feel you're good enough, um you know, I look at guys that I've seen in the past who have been phenomenal golfers and you know what they've done in in amateur golf not and not make it, you know, the standard is exceptionally high. Um, like to play to play elite amateur golf you need to be really really good that's the bottom line but to then to move it on to professional and make a living at it is there's only a very few few numbers you know make make that like um, yeah, the top percentage the, the top percentile really um, yeah and, it's not for uh, want of effort you, no and you need a lot of things to go your way you know you need a bit of luck you need you need a lot of money behind you as well, um, you know, like I remember like Dunners when he came through Q school, like he he came through I think was it like the fourth or fifth playoff hole at stage two, game misses a two footer, you know puts Dunners through and then goes on and gets his his uh, his tour card that year. Like you know if those things don't happen, you don't you don't know what could happen. Um, and those are the wee breaks that you need. Um, oh, absolutely. But, um, it's, it's a fine line, you know, making that decision. I think it's a ballsy decision as well. You know, you have to give credit to guys that are actually willing to put their necks on the line and go and try and make a living at it. You know, that takes, that takes big balls too, in my opinion. Um, because it's easy, it's easy sitting back and, you know, getting a cushy living you know, like traveling the world, like 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 I traveled the world with Ireland, and you know, it's when you miss a cut playing at an amateur level, it's it's not the end of the world. You know, when you miss a cut playing as a professional golfer, you're not getting paid that week. Um, so you have to give credit to boys that are trying to trying to make it as a living. So look, each to their own. That's my opinion on it. Um, I'd one I'd one question. I have a fitness question in a minute, but I've one question in terms of um coaching along the way you mentioned there you've one coach and you still have a coach um Mm -hmm. is there any one thing that you continuously always work on um yeah like like my my bad tendencies will be to to take the club a wee bit in the inside and um that's something that i would always be working on with with patty um it's just really making sure that the club's not going on the inside and doesn't get a bit handsy 
Um, but yeah, that would be kind of one of one of the big factors that we would work to, work on. Um, and then uh, in uh, episode with Keelan um, on the podcast before, he mentioned while he would have had a long term coach, he spent. I think Bob Torrance did some work with the GUI Academy or might have with the Irish team, and yeah, it was a two day thing. But mm-hmm. the second day, Keelan took one aspect of what Bob Torrance had said, and it changed his entire year. Have you had any would say any experiences like that either with the GUI? where you have had maybe an external coach or maybe the DOI coach Neil Manship has come in and really changed something pivotal for, for your own development? Yeah, well, like this is, I've said this in the past, I think this is why Neil Manship is as, as good at his job as why, you know, what he is. Like he's just, you know, he just says the right things at the right time. Um, he never gets flustered. And he just always, like, I always find he just knows what to say at the right time. And I think that's a brilliant, brilliant attribute to have. Um, and he's, he's been quite pivotal in my, my journey with the Irish team. Um, I remember we were in South Africa in 2015. That was my first trip away abroad with the, with the squad. And I'd missed the, the two cuts and we kind of had a conversation and I just felt you know, I needed to perform and I was putting myself under pressure and he, he just said, like, you're here on your own merit. You know, you've earned the right to be here and always, you know, always carry that with you, you know. And I, I thought that was really good advice at the time. Um, so, yeah, look, I think he's brilliant. No, Sebastian, he's definitely a man. He's, he seems to be the common denominator in, in any of the top amateur or professionals I've spoken to thus far. He's yeah. definitely the common denominator that has come up more yeah, than one just, time. I remember um, the I actually put a picture up yesterday on Instagram about the home internationals and learn, and um, it came down to my match and well there was a couple of key factors but it ended up coming down to my match. Rob, big Rob Dawson hold a, a great put in the team to make sure that you know the 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 tie stayed alive as such. But I remember I was playing a guy called Adam Chapman and Neil was watching was following me in my match and he had hold a about a 30-footer on 17 to go back to Old Square. And uh, I remember we had, a, we had about, I don't know, maybe a 100-yard walk back to the 18th tee in Nairn. And uh, I remember we were walking back, and I was expecting, Neil was walking back with me, and I was expecting to talk about the tee shot and, you know, different different things that was going on around us. And we ended up chatting about Celtic. As obviously most people know us, <laughs> I'm a big Celtic fan. But he never once talked about a golf shot or what I needed to do. And he just relaxed my mind the whole way down to that tee box. And he never once mentioned anything. And I just, I always remember that. And it, it always sticks with me. Um, and I, I, I thought it was class, you know. And we obviously went, went on to, to, uh, to win that, that day and there. Uh, maybe everyone should talk about Celtic on their way to the ATP. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying just just talk about Celtic, um, but it was just the fact that he was able to to take my mind off off what was going on at that moment in time. Um, I've seen on your Instagram and various social media that you do um, put stuff out on that you're doing a lot of work fitness wise, especially this winter. Um, what has, <laughs> has, has, that, has that always been the case, or was it um, a specific uh... pivot you took this year? Jesus, if you looked at me now, you wouldn't think I was doing a lot of fitness work. <laughs> um, 
yeah, like I would say, I would say from being involved with the Irish squad, I've done, I've done a lot more work on my fitness and stuff. Um, just purely because you know you play a lot of like thirty six rules, um, a day in amateur golf. Um, so you, you need to be fit to play at that level. Um, you know, if you're physically fit, you're mentally fit. That's the way I look at it. Mm. Um, and it it, de- it definitely stands by you. Look, I I'd be more into the run, and I'd rather go for a a, a five mile run than than pump weights in the gym. I just I just I just hate weights, but I do what I have to do to get me me past. But I started doing a bit of work with say uh, Primal Fitness here. A couple of lads that I would know here at home, they've started up their own business. And um, you know, they're doing they're doing boot camps and then they're doing individual um one on ones and stuff like that. But Alan and Ross are are their their training is specifically based around golf for me as well. Um and you know, for two boys that don't play golf, their knowledge of it's very, very good. Um so I'm enjoying it. Now obviously I haven't done anything now for a couple of weeks due to the fact that with this virus and stuff. Um, but yeah, look, it is what it is. I'm not a massive fan of it, but I have to do what I have to do to, to keep the thing ticking over. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, we can pick it up in the Q&A as to which you prefer. Um, yeah. Right. What, what's, what's your outlook on the year ahead? We'll all cross our fingers and uh, and, yeah. and hope this uh, virus passes away in, in, in a couple of weeks' time. We can all mm. get back on golf courses and yeah. move away from the chipping nets and the putting mats in our houses. Um, and what's your assuming everything is all back and rosy in the garden? What would be your outlook mm-hmm. for the rest of the year? Then what would be like your your key focus or priority? Yeah, look, the main thing will be to get back playing competitive golf again at this stage. Um, but as I say, if we do get back playing, I would love to win a match play event um, of some description. Um, you know the two the. Sorry, the three events that I've won in Ireland here have all been stroke play events, and I've I've had a few few close calls. Would like to maybe win a, a west or a north or a south, one of those, maybe even Irish close. Um, yeah, and then obviously try and put myself back in the mix for I don't know if it'll even go ahead, but the likes of the European six man team, and then you have again I don't know if it's going to go ahead, but you've the Eisenhower. Uh, trophy at the end of the year as well as a three-man team so I'd like to just you know play well and try and put myself in the mix for those teams um, oh, absolutely absolutely and, and then, well as the as, go for it yeah go for it have you another priority no no I was going to say and then you've obviously you've you've um, you've Walker Cup then your uh, May next year you know so if you if you tick if you tick off a couple of those boxes that just named and you play well you know again it puts you Put you in the mix for potentially uh, Walker Cup as well. But who knows? Look, that they're just obviously they're long they're they're long term away now at this stage. But who knows? Who knows? Well, it could be that the golfing season this year is quite compact into ten or twelve or maybe fourteen weeks. Yeah. So if you get a, um, a good rain of form over four to six weeks, you could lock up yeah. a spot fairly quickly in the Walker Cup next year. Yeah, that's yeah, and like when I look back on. You know, the year that I got picked in the squad in 2017 and kind of just, I kind of was more looking at trying to make that team rather than just playing golf and that really got on top of me. And, 
you know, played played rubbish in 2017, and and um, so it'd be nice to try and get another shot at playing a Walker Cup before kind of everything quietens down <laughs> in my career as such. There's no stopping you yet. Look at um, Gary Volsenholm, how long he lasted into his early 40s. So there's, there's another decade in you. It's funny, I was talking right. to Gary in Portugal, so it was. Um, I run into him in Portugal there when I was out in in February and I had a good chat with him for about a half an hour. And he a nice guy and he was, he, played, he was telling me he played for England, England golf for about 25 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some career. Yeah. Some career. Um, no, definitely someone to to definitely have a chat with. Um, about yeah. anything about longevity, about golf, about managing loads of um, loads of fingers and loads of pockets, and trying to give everything everything motor. And um, uh-huh. in terms of, I suppose you in juggling things. How do you go about that in juggling family and work and being an elite golfer? Mm-hmm. Is there how, how do you structure that? Well, we'll be quiet in the work because I haven't done a, p- a pick of work in five years, so we'll, we'll not throw that about too. too, too you don't get, you don't work here; you get paid here. One of those jobs. Um, no, look. Like, well, from from a family point of view, I'm quite lucky that I have a very understanding wife um, who who gets the whole golf thing, um, which is that's that's a big big plus. Um, and like she, look, she she enjoys it too, which makes it even better, you know, and she she enjoys going to golf tournaments and and have you know, if good support around me, you know, with my family and um and obviously Kira's mum and dad as well, you know, they they're big supporters of the golf as well and they enjoy going to watch too. So you know, and now, now obviously I've got a kid, so I don't know I don't know what to expect for this year. Um but look sure we'll 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 see what happens. Um and hopefully continue maybe playing as much golf as I'm allowed uh, well, you can get one of those cross-country buggies that'll take the links in style so yeah um, I can send you a link to one of those uh, I might need that <laughs> uh, but look it, it's it's ah, it's grand and then we get you know we get we get plenty of support from from sport uh, from Sport Ireland and, and obviously NA, I'm up in the north so we get we get supported by um, Sport NA up here as well and you know they've been a huge, huge support in allowing me to be able to you know play full time, and and you know you're getting funded and you're getting away on trips with 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 the GUI as well. So like you know we're very like I'm very fortunate that I've been been allowed to do this this year. So um, be remiss if I didn't mention them. Absolutely, no, the juice is definitely worth the squeeze in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting to the part of the podcast which signifies to everyone that it's nearly over. Um, which mm-hmm. is the Spanish style inquisition quickfire Q&A column Campbell right. so are you are you ready for this one alright go on go for it alright first thing that comes into your head let's go what would your walk on song be Celtic uh, Symphony gym or pizza or oh, pizza hat visor or a Keelan Rafferty bucket hat definitely not a bucket or a hat they're horrendous so it'll be a hat Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Tin Cup. Guinness or Heineken? Mm, Guinness. Le Hinch or Port Marnock? Uh, Le Hinch. Walk or cart? Mm, 
if it's social golf court. Win the Masters or win the Open? Win the Open. Would you rather drive it like Dustin or drive it like Zach Johnson? Oh, geez, definitely not Zach Johnson. Dustin, thanks. I definitely have to swap that question out. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. And finally, play or practice? Play. Thank you very much, Colm. Thanks for your time. I wish you all the best once the golf season recommences this year uh, for yourself, for your family, stay healthy. And for Warren Point, may you be challenged in the near future by a club from the West. Yep, sounds good. I like the sound of that. Take it easy. Thanks a million. Thanks, Paddy. So that was Colm Campbell, a man of many talents and juggling many balls, um, literally and figuratively between family, work and being an elite golfer of the past decade here in Ireland. Thank you very much for pressing play. Please do head over to the website www.pellyoff.com. Join the timesheet, check out the other clatter over there, previous podcasts, social media and more. Again, please share the show with your family and friends. Leave a review if that is indeed your style. Until we teed up again soon, I'm Paddy. <laughs>